0: That was produced by a group of college students specifically because now once you go to college, it's almost automatic that you will get two or three offers for a credit card that you then max out doing all kinds of things. And so many students are now graduating or attempting to graduate not just with student loan debt but with thousands of dollars of credit card debt. How old were you when you got your first credit card? Just curious. 18? I, I had kids. I, was, I didn't get my first credit card until I was an adult and I had kids because growing up, and I'll show this to you in just a second, as a matter of fact, nobody used credit cards when I was growing up in the 60s. It just didn't happen. And suddenly this, this new thing showed up that was a card. It started with what's called diner's club, if you remember that. And the next thing you know, all these cards, and you could just charge things. It's amazing. There's a reason. We'll get to all that. Right now, we're still in our series that we're calling "Marriage and Children and Debts." Oh my! Okay, it's the three things that uh, they're good, they're wonderful. They're, I mean, they can be great things for us, but but they tend to pile up on us, and they are relationship killers. At least they can be if they're not done well. We started in January, and so we started by looking at Marriage. Do you remember what we found out about marriage? Okay, marriage, and here it is in your sermon notes. Marriage is the mystical covenant where our Father unites two people, a man and a woman, back into one. Remember? Let's go all the way back. Adam is created. When when God creates Eve, He doesn't create her out of the same type of stuff. He creates her out of the same stuff, out of Adam. Adam is split into two people. Marriage is that mystical union when God takes these two people And he doesn't do this. It's not a contract. He does this. And I get to be part of it. That's one of the fun things I get to do as a pastor. I get to be there that moment that God says, let me take these two people and I'm going to do this. and I'm going to turn you back into one whole person. And if you are in a good marriage, the two of you make one whole person. That's the way it's designed to be. That's why ripping it apart is so painful. It's not just two people going their own way it's something that God did mystically that we have to rip apart then after we were done with that we took a look at kids and this is what we really we talked lots about kids just finished it last week our children are not our property they are our primary ministry privilege our children do not belong to us we are raising them for the Lord Jesus Christ they belong to God he is the author of all life we have the awesome ministry privilege of working in their lives and teaching them and loving them and sharing and it's our primary ministry privilege it's where we should give our best efforts as we try to get them remember the whole goal is that trust that they have in us when they come home from the hospital and they trust us completely we want them to transfer that trust from ourselves to God that's the goal of parenting okay that's what we finished up last week today we start looking at this debts Oh my. Before we continue, okay, before we continue, because this is going to step on lots of toes here. Before we continue, you have to remember something we talked about the very first Sunday we got into this series, which was the second Sunday in January, and it's simply this. Remember that our Father is the Lord of many chances. Okay? So as we sit here and we look at how we have not handled our finances well, some of us in this place are really in debt, and we know it. Understand... Our Father forgives. There's a way out. He's the Lord of many chances. Now, we don't use that as an excuse to fail. We don't say, well, it doesn't mean I don't want to have to try because after all, God will forgive me and make it all right. But we make the most of every fresh opportunity. And God is going to give us some fresh opportunities in the weeks to come as we deal with and we talk about what the Bible says about debts. All right? Let's be honest here. If we were to look at the finances of everybody sitting out there, Some, many, maybe even most, would be a mess. Living paycheck to paycheck. Sometimes not even doing that. Sometimes having to go out and get payday loans just to pay the bills. Just to survive. Credit cards maxed out. Keep looking for a new credit card because yours are maxed out. Borrowing from one place to make the payment someplace else. Owing more than we make. Even our income doesn't quite meet the bills. Because we have amassed incredible debts. Let's answer this question right away. Is it wrong to be in debt? The answer is no. Don't let anybody tell you that. And you'll hear some people who will say it's just wrong to be in debt. The Bible says don't be in debt. That's not true. Okay, It's not true at all. Actually, the Bible has many verses about lending, about borrowing, and about debt, and about interest. It has those in there because debt is actually part of life. Sometimes debt is necessary. Sometimes debt is good. For instance, we just borrowed money to fix the roof of the church. That puts us in debt. Now, we want to pay it off. But it's not a bad thing. I don't hold, hang my head in shame. Oh, it's terrible. We had to borrow money. Some of the debts are good. They're necessary if you're going to purchase a home. Some of the debts we do because they're right to do. They're, oh, okay. you know how, Do you know how much debt I have incurred in just my student loans to get the education that I currently have? $80,000 over the course of my life I have borrowed just to get educated. Or to it become educated? See? <clears throat> Now, I'm paying them off, it's no problem, but I've told you one other time, I have it planned out, I've got this great plan. The month I retire, I will pay off my last student loan. And that's not, I'm not kidding, that's true. And i do it again like that. That education was so important to me. It helped me live my life, it helped me do what I do. And I don't mind borrowing that money at all. I would do it again in a second. Now, I would rather not have to borrow the money. Any of you want to, you know, give me $80,000, come see me afterwards. It'd be wonderful. I'll take it. But you're not going to nor should you. The Father hasn't asked you to give me that money. My Father has provided for me everything I need to get my education and to pay for it. Some of us buy houses or cars. and Sometimes those debts are necessary. It's okay. As a matter of fact, some of you right out here work for the state, don't you? And some of you in fact work for the state in a very important department called economic development, is that correct? How many of you do that? Is it called economic development? Dave Shreve and a couple others? Is that what it's called? Business Business development. development. What do you do, Terry? When you say get funding for projects, what do you mean? Usually it's borrowing borrowing it. Yeah. In other words, we want businesses to do well in the state of Oregon because as they do well, they hire employees. And so the state of Oregon is actually loaning money to businesses so that they can do it. Please, don't let anybody tell you that debt is wrong. Sometimes debt can be a good thing, without a doubt. However, remember this. Our goal should be to own everything we have and to be debt free. To make interest, not pay it. You actually have a decision to make when you're young. I made the wrong decision. Hopefully, if you're young, you make a better decision. You can be the type of person who pays interest. You can be the type of person who makes interest. I made the wrong decision. I've been the type of person who has paid interest my whole life. Now, it's okay. Don't feel sorry for me. God is blessed. We're fine. We've got a great plan. Our Father's doing everything. So I'm not crying. I'm just telling you as I look back to go, you know, I have paid thousands and thousands and maybe tens of thousands of dollars that I didn't really need to do. Some bankers got it, and I could have done it differently. You've got to make that decision. What we really want to do is to own everything. The car, the house you're living in, the, the clothes that you have, the, your entertainment. You own it all, and you're not in debt at all. That's the goal. It's not wrong to be in debt, but it is better if you're not in debt. In fact, by the way, in the Old Testament, our father made this promise to the nation of Israel that if they followed his way... That if they did what he told them to do, that if they followed him as Lord, they would never be in debt. Take a look at this passage right here. The Lord will open the heavens, the storehouse of his bounty, to send rain on your land in season and to bless all the work of your hands. Look at that. You will lend to many nations, but you will borrow from none. What that should tell you, by the way, is the United States of America, which is a great country, love it, does not follow the way of God. Because this is his promise. Nations that do don't have the debt issue like we do. That's our goal. Is to be debt free. To own everything. See here's the real question. The question is not do we have debt? But does our debt have us? And let's again be completely honest in this place. For some of us we don't own debt. Debt owns us. We're so far in debt, everything we do is just to pay a few bills. We're not getting ahead at all. For some of us, we're prisoners of our debt. It owns us. We're slaves to it. Most of us know what it's like to let your spending get out of control, doesn't it? When, when you borrow from the future to pay for the things today that really we don't need. And by the time we pay them all off, they've cost us two and three times what they should have cost us. And by the time we pay them all off, quite often we don't even own them any longer. They're in the trash pile. And we're still making payments. See, it's, it's not wise. The bill collectors start to call. We, we borrow just to pay the bills. Now, can you do that? Sure you can. Is it a sin to do that? I don't know if it's a sin. I don't know if it's very smart. See, this is what the Bible says. Everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Now, Paul, when he's writing this, is talking about some, lots of different things, but what we're talking about here is your debt. Are you mastered by your debt? Are you so far in debt that, that it owns you? Don't be mastered by your debt. It'll kill you. It'll kill your relationship. This is what the message says about that same verse. Just because it's technically legal doesn't mean that it's spiritually appropriate. Okay? Can you do it? Sure. Are you still a child of God? Sure. Is it a sin? I don't know. But is it what we should do? If I went around doing whatever I thought I could get by with, I'd be a slave to my whims. We call them credit cards. Mm-hmm. So this is what we're going to do today, in the rest of the time we have. I just want to explain to you why this is all happening to you. Okay? Next week, we're going to talk about the specific plan and what to do about it. Something that that you're actually going to be able to put into practice and say, here's how we're going to make our plan to get out of debt with God's help. The third week, which be we our last week in this whole series, we're going to do something very different. Never done it before, but I'm going to bring up here on stage two or three or four families. We're going to sit down and have a panel discussion. I'm going to bring up families who have always done it well and they're going to give some advice. I'm going to bring up people who had to learn to do it well. And we're going to talk about how God has helped them. So it won't be so much a sermon as it will be a discussion and actual people who said, this is what God did for me and how he did it. That's in two weeks. Next week... We'll give you the steps to get out of this. Today, I want you to understand why this is happening to you. You ready? See, debt is not your real problem. It isn't. The real problem is envy. That's the problem. That's why we're in debt. Take a look at this passage written about 3,000 years ago from one of the wisest men who ever lived, Solomon. He says this. And I see that all the labor and achievement spring from man's envy of his neighbor. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. What moves us ahead? What causes us to go out and buy? What causes us to, to get ahead? Because we're looking sideways to say, how, does this, how are they living? Should I have this? Oh, this person just got something. Maybe I Isn't it amazing the things you think you have to have that 10 years ago you didn't know existed? How did I ever get along without a cell phone? I just got my first cell phone about the year 2000. Now I think I can't live without it. I keep it everywhere. It's in my back pocket even now. Turned off, by the way. Hopefully yours is too. Thank you. Uh, Twelve years ago, I didn't have this. Now I spend hundreds of dollars to have it. My computers, my widescreen TV. I love it. It's great. I grew up in a little black and white set. thought it was wonderful. It's amazing how many things now, as, as people buy and people purchase, we look around and say, they've got that, I should have that. It's envy, it's not debt. That's what drives us to be in debt. Is, and by the way, let's find out what kind of envy person you might be. Ready? Because there are three types of envy. There is the as envy, the er envy, or the est envy. All right? In other words, your neighbor buys a new car, and you want a car as nice as your neighbor. Or perhaps you're the er type. If your neighbor buys a car, you want a car that is nice, there you go. Or maybe you are the type of person that says, Gotta have the nice bingo. Which one are you? As you compare yourself. You wanna be as pretty as this person, or do you wanna be pretty er, or do you need to be the pretty? This person that has wealth, do you wanna be as wealthy as they do, or do you wanna be wealthy? or do you have a drive to be the best? What kind of envy do you have? That's our problem. For you. It isn't debt. You're in debt and I'm in debt because of envy. And dealing with debt won't solve the problem. Not if we're driven by envy. Not if we're driven to to gain and achieve what everybody else around us has. We will always be in debt. The solution is here, ready? The solution we call godly contentment. Now, I need to explain when we say godly contentment. I don't mean that whatever you have, that's all you're going to get. What I mean is, you're satisfied with whatever God brings you without having to go and force your way for something else. Look at this passage. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Stop. Can you really say that? I don't know that I can yet. I hope your pastor, it's okay if I confess to you. I don't know that I can say, Father, as long as I have food and clothing, that I'm content. I don't know. I don't need as much as I used to think I need, but wow, that's quite a statement. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap. And into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. He says, you know what? There is just a peace about being content. Now, does this mean that we don't work? and, And... Do a little bit better and achieve? Of course you do. Next week we're going to talk about that. But what you'll discover is that God's plan is little by little. Little by little. I'll even show you the passage. It says little by little wealth increases. But our envy jumps in there. And instead of going little by little, we want it when? Now! Now! So we want to death. That's not wise. Again, we'll talk about it next week. Again, one of the wisest men who ever lived. This is what he wrote. A man could do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in his work. This too I see is from the hand of God. For without him who can eat or find enjoyment. That's all scripture is saying. God will increase wealth. He will. There is not a promise that is automatically going to happen. In fact, he could bring you tons of wealth and then ask you to give it away. We'll talk about that next week. But most of the time, this is what you can count on, that little by little, our Father does bring wealth. Little by little, our Father does give us the things that not only we want, but some of the things that are even beyond our basic needs. For our Father loves us. We're His children. Little by little, we can achieve what God wants. And that's what we need to be satisfied with. And yet we're not satisfied with it. You know why? I'm going to tell you right now first reason here's how we're going to deal with this our culture is designed to keep us in debt learn to reject it if you're in debt our culture designed you to be that way i'm going to prove it to you okay the fact that we are in debt is not an accident our economy is designed to keep you in debt If you live in America and you are an American and you're following the culture of the day, you're supposed to be in debt. In fact, you're supposed to be in a lot of debt. And that's what we have to reject. Our very culture says to us, borrow, 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 spend, 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 gain, gain, gain. We're surrounded by it we're far more influenced by it than you can possibly imagine that's why scripture says this do not love the world or anything of the world if anyone loves the world the love of the father is not in him for everything in the world the cravings of the sinful mind the lust of his eyes the boasting of what he has done comes not from the father but from the world that's our society it's where we live when we leave this place we're going to go out there you will be bombarded by it all the time gain gain keep up buy go into debt charge this you got to have this Our culture is designed that way. Did you think that the way that you reject the culture is by, you know, it used to be when I grew up in the holiness church, it was about, well, I don't smoke and I don't drink. See, that's why I've rejected the culture. When in fact, the culture was seeping itself right into my very heart. And it wasn't about drinking and smoking, because those things don't mean anything now. What it means is that culture is coming and saying, Doug, you've got to, Borrow, you gotta be in debt, you gotta keep up, you gotta buy, you gotta get this. And I bought it. Scripture says this religion that our that God our Father accepts as pure and flawless is this to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. The pollution of the world, my friends, is not smoking and drinking and the things you might think it is. Pollution of the world is buying into the values that say you gotta buy, you gotta borrow, you gotta gain, you gotta gain, you gotta gain. That's the world's value. We got to reject it. James again writes this, You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God, and we bought into what the world's going to say. You've got to be financially successful, and you've got to show it. Because those are the really good people. Now, you don't believe this is done on purpose? It was started about 60 years ago and it was done to us on, I'm not a conspiracy kind of theory guy, alright, but I'm going to show you right here see, prior to World War II, we were a nation of producers we, we weren't consumers nearly as much as we produced things in fact, we produced so much that we used to send it overseas we couldn't even use it all here after World War II, that changed so I'm going to show you a few quotes here there's a purpose for it, don't worry watch this because our factories were so productive after World War II, they could produce tons of stuff that nobody else could buy, and so they turned to the American consumer and said, you know what? You're going to buy it. President Eisenhower, Council of Economic Advisor, his chairman said this, the American economy's ultimate purpose is to produce more consumer goods. That's its job. To make things that you're going to buy. And if you don't have the money to buy them, guess what? What? will loan it to you at a good interest rate. There was an economist. His name is Victor Lebeau, and this is what he said. This is 1955. See if this didn't happen. Ready? See if this doesn't describe. In 1955, this was not true. In the year 2012, it's absolutely true. Look at this. Our enormously productive economy demands that we make consumption our way of life. That we convert the buying and the use of goods into Rituals that we seek our spiritual satisfaction, our ego satisfaction in consumption. Move on. We need things consumed, burned up, worn out, replaced, and discarded at an ever-increasing rate. It happened on purpose. The world in which we live, the society in which we live, the economy in which we live was done. I want to show you a couple more things. We'll move on. Don't worry. But this is important that you know this stuff. Okay? Let me show you what's happened since that time. Let's go to the next one. I think it's a graph, isn't it? Okay. You see this little graph here? I just want to show you. This is our trade deficit. In other words, it used to be a time that we produced so much stuff in America that we couldn't use it all. We sent it overseas. That's those little blue dots right there in 1960. But notice it went down in 1970. 1975 was the year. 1975, we stopped producing enough products. We had to import them. Now we consume so many products here in America. We have to bring in hundreds of billions of dollars every year just to meet the need of our consumption. How do you pay for all of that? Well, watch this. Credit card debt. In 1967, my parents didn't have credit cards, by the way. Anytime we went out, they wrote a check. Either paid cash or wrote a check, okay? I grew up in the 60s. 67, just to let you know, I was, uh, what, 13 years old. Just, you can do the math. Middle school. Credit card debt was 1.4 billion. 10 years later, 39 billion. 10 years later, 169. 1997, 55. Five years ago, it was $972 billion. Outstanding debt. That's $972 billion of things that consumers here in America purchased that they couldn't pay for. I have some of that debt, as do most of you. The point? The culture in which we live set us up for this. It's not an accident. We're supposed to borrow. What would happen if all of the consumers in America stopped borrowing and just were satisfied with what they have? Let me ask that again. What would happen if all the consumers in America stopped borrowing and buying and were just satisfied with what would happen to our economy? We would crash. Sure. Why is it that we fall for this? Well, here we go, guys. Now, next week I tell you, I'm going to lay it out for you how we're going to get out of it. Why do we fall for this? Here it is. Our natures are corrupted by envy. And you have to learn to overcome it. Our culture is designed to keep us in debt. You've got to reject it. God is not asking us to live in that kind of debt. God does not call us to amass those kinds of debt. God, as you will see next week, is calling us to, little by little, increase wealth. Wealth. But our culture says, buy, buy, buy. And we fall for it. And that's because our natures are so broken. They're corrupted by envy. And you got over it. Remember, it's not your debt. Debt isn't the problem. It's the envy that we have. That's the issue. That's the problem. This is what Solomon observed 3,000 years ago. He said this. Whoever loves money never has money enough whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income this too is meaningless as goods increase so do those who consume them and what benefit are they to the owner except to feast his eyes on them have you noticed this at work in your own life you you, you gain and you think you'll be satisfied and you get it and then you want more. The statistics will tell us that um, most of us, in order to be happy—at least that's what we think—look for about twenty-five percent more than we make. Doesn't matter. If you make hundred thousand dollars a year, you're sitting around going, oh, "If I can only make one hundred twenty-five, man, all my problems will be solved." If you make forty thousand, you're going to say, "Man, if I can only make fifty, just twenty-five percent more, all my problems will be solved." But guess what happens when you make fifty? You won't be satisfied with fifty. You need now sixty-two-five. We always need about 25% more. And this is why. If we put our mind on the wealth and the attainment of things, if that's where we're getting our ego satisfaction, because that's who we are, our nature, we always want more and more and more. Peter writes about the same thing in, in the New Testament. He says this, Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world, to abstain from sinful desires which war against your souls. Oh, man. Guys, we're set up for this. There's something about us right here that wants more and is never satisfied. And there's a culture out there that says, here, let me show you how you can do it. We can do it in easy terms. Easy terms. And you do it. And pretty soon, you don't own any debt. Your debt owns you. And you're living for your debt. Oh man, it's so easy to do. Now, it would be depressing if we left it right there, wouldn't it? But we're not going to leave it there. Because there's a way out. Our Father always has that way out. Our Father knows and understands our nature, our Father knows and understands our culture. He doesn't just leave us as victims in this culture, He doesn't just leave us as victims of our own nature. Our Father rises above all that and says, Look, there is a way out. Next week we'll give you some concrete steps, but this morning what you need to remember is this. Here's how we get out of it by selling out to God through Jesus Christ. What are you going to live for? You're going to live for the culture? You're going to live to satisfy the cravings of your heart? Or are you going to live for God through Jesus? Learning to live for God through Jesus Christ, that's the way out. It isn't necessarily a bankruptcy that may have to happen I don't know I don't know your financial situation but if we don't change what's in here we're just going to go right back to it our father says look I know who you are I know where you live I know the temptations that are coming to you I will help you overcome it because let me tell you what isn't going to work willpower I'm glad I got an amen right there Did you think that just being, well, this time I just won't do it is going to make it? Shake your little head just like this. That's why some of us can't lose weight. We do it by willpower. Well, willpower won't do it. That's why we're still in debt. Well, willpower won't do it. If you had the power to overcome all this stuff, you wouldn't need God, would you? Did you ever think of that? If you had the power to overcome your tendency towards death, if you had the power to overcome your tendency towards alcohol, if you had the power to overcome your tendency of overeating, if you had the power to do all of that, you could live without God. But you can't because you don't have the power. God has created us in such a way that to overcome these things, to rise above them, to be who we're supposed to be requires a partnership between ourselves and God. We give Him our lives. He gives us His power. Not because you're beautiful people. You are beautiful people, by the way. You're welcome. But God's got lots of beautiful people. He gives you His power. Because he loves you so much. He gives you the power because he cares about you and your situation. And he sent his son to die for us so that you could even have the power. See, on your own, we couldn't even get to him. We couldn't even plug in to that power source. Because there's something between us and that power source. We call it our sins. We call it our will for actions. We call it those things that block us from that power source. Jesus came and died for us so that now we can plug into that power source. Now we have a relationship with our Father through Jesus Christ. And he says, let me show you how to live above yourself. You think debts are your problem? or oh, you're already defeated. Debt's not your problem. It's the envy we have that God is in debt. Let's take care of that. This is what Paul wrote to the Romans. Therefore, I urge you brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Something about a sacrifice. It was everything. It was total. Okay? Paul says, look, give yourself totally to God. Holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to what? Read it with me. The pattern of this world. more time. Do not not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Yeah. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You have to be a different person. Our problem is we keep following the pattern of the world. And God says, look, you're going to keep doing that until I'm able to transform your mind. Renew it. Keep going. (coughs) Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is His good, pleasing, and perfect will. But did you see this two step process here? Again, next week we'll give you some concrete steps. But today, it isn't the concrete step, step by step, how to get out of debt. It's where we start. And we start with the fact that we're in debt because we envy. That has to be taken care of. And you can't do it by willpower, you can't just will it away. It can only be done through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ as revealed through the Father and through His Holy Spirit as we ourselves say to God, I am yours. And He says, well, you don't even know what you got. You think you just earned yourself a place in heaven? Yeah, you did, but that's just the beginning. Wait till you see what I've got for you. I'm going to show you a whole new way to live. I'm going to help you rise above the culture that keeps telling you to go into debt. I'm going to help you amass the wealth that I want for you. It'll be a little at a time. Be patient. But I'm going to do it. And I'm going to help you overcome that very thing inside you that is driving you to be in debt. The message puts it this way. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you. Could you read this whole thing with me? I know it's long, but you've got to get this ready. Let's read it together. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Stop right there. Some of us this morning need to confess this to God. Oops. Now again, does your father hate you? Of course not. He loves you. He's the God of many chances. But some of us right now, just reading that line, have to go, Whoa! I fit so well into my culture. I am such a good American. I am feeding our consumer culture. My word, if I stop buying our, our gross domestic product, will go down by a percentage point. You know? I really fit in. Hmm. Let's read that again. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Why do you come here on a Sunday morning? That's a good question. Because I'm wondering, is it just to get a religion fixed? Do you understand what we're trying to do every Sunday when we come together? We come together to worship God and to collectively be, be His body and to give Him thanks. But we're also trying to learn how to think. We're also trying to learn how to make the right choices and the right priorities. And by taking what we learn here as we look to the Word and take it into our lives and say, Father... I'm going to live differently this week. Maybe not radically different, because very few of us can make those radical changes, but a little different. Until you become the very center of my life. He goes on to say this, unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. You probably came in there thinking that the problem you have in your life is you're in debt. It's not your problem. That can be taken care of. That's just money. Next week we'll even tell you how to get out of it. We have people in this church who are financial planners who can help you do that. We have people right now, and I know them, and they would be willing to work alongside you and help you lay out a plan to get out of debt. It can be done. It can be done. It can be done. Our Father, we're talking Money. It's nothing to our Father. He's got it all. Does he have all of you? See, there's the question. The problem isn't our debt, it's our envy, it's our heart. God says, give me that heart. Let me change it. Let me teach you. We'll get you out of debt. We'll show you how to spend your money correctly. We'll show you the best life you can have. But it starts right here. When through Jesus Christ we say, Father, I'm yours. Lord, thank you. You see... We're so foolish, it isn't just foolish getting into debt, it's foolish thinking that we can will ourselves out of it, or it's foolish thinking that our problem is our debt, when in fact, Father, you know that the problem is our brokenness, which is causing all of that. Father, you go right to the heart of the problem, you come in and you fix who we are, through Jesus Christ, through the power of your Spirit, Father, you can fix who we are, and Lord, we want to learn how to walk with you in such a way that that we understand what you want, And then we can recognize that when the culture speaks lies into our hearts and, Father, we begin to believe them, to be able to speak against them in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Spirit. Father, next week as as we look at concrete steps we can take, thank you for those. And then as people come to share what you've done in their lives, Father, we look forward to that. But it starts here this morning. Right now. As we are willing to give you the real problem. We have not been walking according to your will, according to your heart. Father, we're still walking according to our own desires and everything, and we need to stop that. We need to begin that process today of just giving you everything. Oh, Father. Some of us need to be reminded of that because we've done it so many times. It's time to do it again, Lord. And to know that you receive us gladly with a smile on your face and that you long to help us overcome the culture and our nature to be the people you created us to be. Jesus, to be the people you died for us to be. You rejoice in being part of that. So as we come to you, Father, we don't come to you in tears. We don't come to you thinking that you hate us. We, don't come to, we know we come to you and you have a huge smile on your face as you say, welcome. Let's start the process now. Let us rejoice, Father, in these next few moments. In the name of Jesus,